Today on Blue 58, the Packers are ready to renew their rivalry with their oldest enemies, the Chicago Bears. Who's going to make the plays for the Packers that put them over the top this week? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, ready to kick off Bears Week. I guess bring it to a close. It's Friday, Saturday, as we're getting to you now. Bears Week is almost over. And it's going to end with the Packers renewing acquaintances with the Chicago Bears. And as the Packers get ready to take on the Bears, I can't help but think back to week one of the 2018 seasons for a few reasons. First, how it started. You know, Aaron Rodgers went down in that game pretty early and uh, things got ugly from there. It was actually pretty ugly already when things... uh, Things took a serious turn there, but Deshaun Kaiser did not make it all the all the more pleasant as he came in in relief of Aaron Rodgers and, well, basically made the Bears look like instant geniuses for trading for Khalil Mack by trying to find Khalil Mack any way he possibly could, whether it was running directly into his arms on a sack, throwing the ball to him in an interception, you name it, Deshaun Kaiser was going to do it. It was ugly there for a while. But I also think back to that game because of how it ended. A spectacular comeback win. Geronimo Allison making a big play in the end zone. Randall Cobb making a play for the ages with a 70-something yard catch and run for a score that put the Packers over the top. And then the Packers' defense holding that day, concluding with a sack by Nick Perry in 2018. Boy, that seems like a lifetime ago already that Nick Perry was doing anything for the Packers. Also worth pointing out that Randall Cobb wouldn't have scored on that play had Khalil Matt not Khalil Matt not Khalil Mack not dogged it in pursuit. Training camp does have value, doesn't it? But I think what makes me think back to 2018 and week one of that season the most is actually the preview that we did here on Blue 58. You know, if you have listened to this show for long enough, and I mention this from time to time, I struggle with previews. What makes a good preview anyway? With all the information out there, how do you make a show, a podcast, that actually is worth people's time doing a preview? It's something I I work with a lot and try to come up with a good preview. More often than not, I feel like we don't quite get there. But that one I feel like was one of our best because talking that week, I touched on a lot of different things about and themes that have come back since then. Team life cycles, team constructions, where you are in the growth process of your team and how that matters with who you're playing against. And the big question I had coming into week one was whether or not the Bears had caught or passed the Packers. They'd made a bunch of moves that offseason, the biggest of which, of course, was trading for Khalil Mack, somebody who it seemed like the Packers were interested in. So I was wondering whether or not they had caught the Packers. And I didn't think they had, at least not in week one, in part because it still felt like the Packers were the big brother in the rivalry. It still felt like that the Packers, even if they hadn't made as many splash moves in the offseason, and that offseason they had signed Jimmy Graham and Muhammad Wilkerson, I guess a smaller splash move there, but With the new general manager, Brian Gutekunst, calling the shots, they were doing things a little bit differently. And part of that involved bringing in a guy like Graham and bringing in a guy like Wilkerson. But no splashes to the extent that the uh, Chicago Bears had made. But I still felt like the Packers were further along, that the Bears couldn't catch them. 
And the Bears didn't catch the Packers in week one that year, in large part because the Packers were still kind of coasting on that established team identity that the Packers had under Mike McCarthy. But as the year went on, it became clear that things had changed in the NFC North. The Bears got the Packers later that year. They won the NFC North that season. But they have faded since then. The Packers retook the NFC North crown in 2019, won it again in 2020, and are well on their way again here in 2021. But the Bears are at least theoretically on the upswing again. A new, well-regarded quarterback makes you feel that way, whether it's true or not. But as we return to that theme of whether or not the Bears have caught the Packers, giving away the end of the podcast here at the beginning, I don't think they have. I don't think the Bears have caught up with the Packers, and I think the Packers are going to win this week as a result. The Packers are just the more complete team right now, and they've got more pieces in place. But I think it's worth mentioning stuff like that right now and taking note, I guess, of what time it is. Not literally what time it is, but what time it is in terms of where these teams are going. Because the winds of change may be blowing, and sooner or later things are going to change in Green Bay. The change in the pecking order may not have arrived just yet, but it is coming. Sooner or later, the Bears may be looking down at the Packers instead of looking up. We may not be there yet, but that process may be underway. The Chicago Bears. General thoughts around the Bears center on the F word. No, not that one. Uh, The one that is, I guess, more pernicious when it comes to um, sports analysis and sports teams in general. Fraud. Are the Bears frauds? I don't know. Maybe. But how big a fraud can you really be at three and two? But the better question, maybe not so much whether or not the Bears are frauds, but whether or not they've done anything worth talking about this season. And I think even at three and two, even bringing along their new rookie quarterback, I would say the answer there is no. The Bears haven't done anything that we need to be all that excited about so far this year. Looking at them in one-score games, they're 1-0 this year. They've only played one game that was within one score. The rest have been blowouts one way or another. They beat the Bengals 20-17, to but they lost to the Rams by 20. They lost to the Browns by 20. They beat the Lions by 20, and they beat the Raiders by 11. And we know a lot of those outcomes, at least on the defensive side of things, are a function of the quarterback you're playing against. The Bears really haven't played many. They beat Jared Goff, good for you. They beat essentially rookie Joe Burrow, good for you. And look, the Packers have done the same thing there, and that's something we've talked about here too. What do we really know about the Packers at this point? Not a whole lot, but I think they're further along than the Bears are. In terms of expected wins and losses, the Bears are about a 2-3 and three team. By point differential, that's where the numbers put them. I think they're overachieving a little bit this year. And that's fine. You'd rather overachieve than underachieve. But I think some of their success has largely been because of the offenses they've played against rather than the Bears going out and just pummeling teams. Now, their defense is still pretty solid. We'll get to the defense here in a little bit. But I don't think it's, even in the in the relatively recent history of, of where the Bears have gone on defense, I don't think it's one of their better units. They've been effective so far, but effective and good 
are not necessarily the same thing all the time. But let's talk about the Bears' offense taking on the Packers' defense, starting with the quarterback. That quarterback is Justin Fields, finally taking his duly appointed place after the Packers, or after the Bears, excuse me, fooled around with Andy Dalton for a while. Uh, Fields, 6'3", 228 pounds out of Ohio State. So far this season, not great. 37 of 72 passing, 458 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. You get the sense he's still figuring things out. And I know there are people who go back and forth on whether rookie quarterbacks should sit or not, but if it's me, I'd rather you figure out things on the field. And from my perspective, if a a guy's going to be no good, I'd rather figure that out sooner than later. Look at what the Arizona Cardinals did a couple years back with Josh Rosen. If he'd sat for his entire rookie year, do you think they still draft Kyler Murray the next year? No, probably not. But the Cardinals were bad, and that may have hindered Rosen's development. It may not have, but at least they found out whether or not what they had in him in the short term and allowed them to make a new decision. I don't think Fields is going to turn out like Rosen did. I think they'll probably end up being pretty happy with him right now. But if he is going to be bad, I would rather know that now than a year from now. Now, you do run the risk of you know getting him maimed horribly behind your terrible offensive line, which we'll get to in a second. But Fields, at least, has some unique physical gifts. But I also get the sense, looking at how they've used him so far this year, that the Bears don't really know how to harness those physical gifts. Look, in short, at his rushing attempts. Now, Fields has world-class speed. And he's a pretty thickly built guy, too, 228 pounds. But he doesn't run all that much, just nine attempts over the past three weeks. And I think that's a mistake. I know everybody wants to win from the pocket, and I know that's the optimal way, I guess, of playing quarterback. But if you've got a guy with unique physical tools like that, why not let him use them? The Buffalo Bills have the biggest arm at quarterback maybe in the league. He's right up there. If he's not one, he's in the top two or three in Josh Allen. But he's also a uniquely talented runner, and they figure out how to use that effectively. You don't have to have him carrying the ball 15 times a game. You don't have to have him running like Lamar Jackson. But get him moving and use that part of his game because it can be effective. Fields, I think, represents the biggest strength for the Bears on offense right now. First and foremost, like we've said, because he's a uniquely talented player. That counts for something. Counts for a lot. That's why you drafted him. But also, I think it benefits him and the Bears that he is a big unknown right now. Even as a rookie, being an unknown makes him dangerous. How do you prepare for a guy that you really don't know all that much about? Sooner or later, he's going to bite a team just because they don't know much about him yet. And maybe that's the Packers with a diminished defense this week. But we got to talk about where the Bears are vulnerable because that plays into this too. And they are hugely vulnerable on their offensive line. They've got perhaps the worst pass-blocking line in football, understanding, of course, that sacks are in large part dependent on the quarterback, sure. But according to Football Outsiders' adjusted sack rate, they are dead last in the NFL in protecting the quarterback. And on top of that, starting right tackle Jermaine Afidi is out this week. Have fun with that, Chicago. Who should we know about? Got to throw a name your way, just because they've got a bit of an interesting situation at running back here in Chicago. How about Khalil Herbert? Five foot nine, 212 pounds of him. Uh, He is probably going to be the guy this week because David Montgomery is out. Damian Williams has COVID. So it's Herbert. 82 yards on 21 attempts so far this season. No catches so far this year. What's he going to do? Who knows? But he's a speedy little guy, and uh, the Packers have had trouble with guys like that in the past. So 
just thought I'd mention him just so you're aware of who that tiny little guy running around making the Packers look um, look foolish could be. Or maybe the Bears just get so far behind that they can't ever run the ball or anything. But um, you never know. What about the Packers' offense against the Bears' defense? Now, in theory, the Bears have a really solid defense here. But I would say they're more mystery than solid at this point. Because for everything they have, there is a large but. They lead the league in sacks right now, just as a for instance. But... They actually have one of the least productive pass rushes by ESPN's pass rush win rate. They're beating their uh, counterparts on the offensive line, their opponents on the offensive line, I should say, at a very paltry rate. They rank 28th in the NFL in pass rush win rate. It's hard to say it's not a strength still, though, because they are finishing with those sacks. Khalil Mack, just as an example, has five sacks through five games. But there are reasons to be concerned. And one of those reasons to be concerned is injuries. Khalil Mack hasn't practiced all week. Akeem Hicks, their monster defensive tackle, is likely to be out. And look, the Bears still may be troublesome here, but they're not as fearsome as you might be led to believe just by the raw numbers. What about vulnerability? Well, in a couple words, it's just pass defense. They have the fourth worst graded pass defense in the league by Pro Football Focus. However, much like on the the other side, on the strengths, there is a but here. The Bears may have a bad pass defense overall, but they still have Jalen Johnson, who's been quite good. So let's talk about him. Johnson's a second-year corner out of Utah, second-round pick in 2020. Good enough size, about six foot tall, low 200s in weight. He has an interception in three passes defense through five games this season and has allowed just nine completions on 23 targets this season. He's having quite a good individual year. What does that get you going against Devontae Adams? Look, probably not all that much, but with Marquez Valdez-Scantling still ailing, Alan Lazard not really stepping up to fill the void there, and the rest of the Packers passing offense being, well, not all that productive, let's just say. Maybe one good corner, at least slowing down Devontae Adams, is enough. I don't actually believe that, but you at least have to think about it. What about the last time the Packers and Bears played? That was the final week of the season in 2020. Bears fans could actually say they played the Packers in January after the 2020 season because it actually hasn't even been a... It's it's been in this calendar year that the Packers last played the Bears. Now, it didn't go all that well for the Bears. 35-16, to the final score, but it was a little bit closer than the final score looked. It was 21-16 to at one point in the third quarter before the Packers ultimately put things away, thanks in part to an interception by Adrian Amos and a couple late touchdowns from the Packers as they finished off their season. Marquez Valdez-Scantling also had a beautiful touchdown in this one. The Packers ran trips to one side of the formation. He ended up working against linebacker Danny Trevathan in the slot. Aaron Rodgers saw it, adjusted, hit him for a beautiful 72-yard touchdown as uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling did what he did best. Of course, he also dropped a touchdown later in that game as well, but hey, nobody's perfect. So what's going to happen in this one? I think it's a Packers win. I said that up top, sure, yep, but here's why. I think it comes down to the Packers just having more good available players. We haven't even really listed everybody that the Bears are going to be without this week, and 
really, it'd be a waste of time to do so. But they could be without Khalil Mack, and if he does play, he's going to be limited. They're probably going to be without Akeem Hicks. They're going to be without star wide receiver Allen Robinson. They're going to be without a number of other guys, too. And some of the guys who are going to be playing aren't all that healthy either. Jimmy Graham has been rested in practice this week a couple times. Hey, remember him? Hey, he plays for the Bears now. And we should also mention Mike Patton is a defensive consultant for the Bears, too. Weird things happen. But I just think the Packers have more available players who can make a difference right now than the Bears do. And that's a weird thing to say, considering how banged up the Packers have been the past couple of weeks, but the Bears are even more injured. Now, the Bears, I think, can make this interesting if they can take advantage of the Packers' offensive line. That's something we've been saying a couple of weeks now. It really hasn't borne out anywhere. But how long can you continue to walk that tightrope tight of uh, protecting Aaron Rodgers with what amounts to your third-string offensive line at best? Sooner or later, it seems like someone's going to have a big game rushing the passer against Rodgers. Maybe that's this week, maybe it isn't. I also have this nagging feeling that sooner or later, Justin Fields is going to have a breakout game. And if you're looking at reasons why he could have a breakout game, well, how about a defense that's missing most of its secondary? That had to sign two guys off the street this week just so they have a, well, they have enough guys in the cornerback room to have a meeting. I'm not saying he's going to have a breakout game. I'm not saying he's capable of doing that at this point in his career, but it's going to happen sooner or later. He's too physically talented, too skilled as a player to not have it happen. I'm not saying I'm 100% confident here. I would say I'm 80 to 85% confident here, but I, I think the Packers are going to win. I'm fairly confident. Turning to your thoughts on this, 91% of voters in our weekly poll felt like the Packers were going to win. Third highest total of the season so far. That's pretty darn good. And fans have been pretty good this year at predicting through their votes how the Packers are going to perform on a given week. They were also wrong for the first time in our predictions, too, we should note, predicting the 49ers would win as well this week or this year. But generally speaking, when fans have been high on the team, they've been played well, they've played well. When they've been lower on the team, they haven't played quite as well. So 91% tracks as a solid, not spectacular result. That's pretty good. And given how injured the Packers still are, I would settle for solid, but not spectacular. But here is the real story from this week's polling. A whopping 52% of voters approve of the job that Joe Barry is doing. That is an all-time high for Joe Barry and up more than 36% from last week. People are coming around on Mr. Barry a little bit. And now more voters are in favor of what he's doing for the Packers than against it. My, how times change. Not three weeks ago, he was at 0% approval rating. Things are looking up for Mr. Joe Barry. So I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I'm excited for Bears week. I'm excited to see what they can do against the Bears on Sunday. Hopefully you are excited as well and are looking forward to uh, enjoying a game. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate it if you'd share it with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. That's going to get more people involved in this conversation around the Packers that we're having together. It's going to help more people find the show, and it's going to help more of us, me included, 
Become smarter Packers fans. That's a great thing because, as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.